All right, you may be seated. We've got a special treat for you this morning. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who are in the last service, uh, so we have a, a very good friend of mine uh, in the house here from Houston, Texas, and he survived the storm. He and his entire family of nine children. <laughs> Everyone goes, whoa! <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were just talking. His, his latest, uh, the, he just brought uh, into his family two years ago. Her name's Catherine. How old is she now? Six, 16. She's 16 years old from Columbia. And uh, just went to homecoming uh, the other day. And so anyway, um, I want to introduce this man to you. This guy has had a huge impact on my life uh, when I was in Houston I was saying in the last service, he spoke, he spoke some words. He was, he was speaking on Sunday morning, and just, man, it just really impacted my life. And it was one of those kind of catalysts uh, as I was just praying through, God, what, where are you taking me? And as I was looking at coming back to Colorado, uh, this guy's had a significant impact on my life, and even since. Uh, so anyway, if you would all give Brian Jenkins a huge warm welcome. Thank you, Mike. Actually... Let me say one more thing. Just we are buck, we're going to have buckets in the back just to bless this brother as well. So uh, you can make your checks out to the Rock and everything that goes in there. We'll just we'll bless him. We'll bless what he's doing, the ministry that he has. Um, also, after this service, we have something called Discover the Rock, and so we want to make sure uh, if you do not know about what's going on here at the Rock, you're going to get to meet all the pastors. You can have a free lunch. Uh, it's right after this in the multi-purpose room. So don't miss out on that opportunity. And here's Brian. Thank you, Mike. I thought I was going to have to kick him. Right, he was just—he was just—just just to get him down. This is, this is my time. All right, he, he can have next week. This is my time. I flew in for this 30 minutes. Um, so, but, but it is—it is good to be here. And you know, we this first—the first session this morning, um, we talked about really took a, a look at Jesus's prayer life and and how it compelled his ministry and. Um, I feel like the Lord said, let's just build on that and, and make it even dig into us more so how we can become uh, more of who God made us to be. And, and I was in it, I was looking, I was like, Lord, I need a sign. Like, is, are you in this? And then I looked over and, and I noticed that JR was wearing a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt, jacket. And I'm like, I'm like, the Lord is in it. <laughs> right? So... So you can imagine what the Spirit's going to do if you put him in a Dallas Cowboy jacket today. Come on. Yeah, so, so let's just pray. Lord, we, Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for the life of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that he came, that he died, that he rose, that he is the one true high priest. And Lord, we gladly surrender to your son. Lord, we gladly give it all, night and day, day and night. Your son is worthy of it all. So Spirit, just speak to us in a way, Lord. We, we want to be transformed into more of your likeness. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, so, so I had this, it's this interesting verse in, in Mark 11, and it begins in verse, verse 12. And it says, The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little ways off. So he went over to see if he could find any figs. 
but there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Slip down to verse 20 and it says, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree, he, was, he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from its roots up. Which again, that's just a, it's just a fascinating verse to me. We see this, this tree that's in full bloom. It says that it was too early to be in full harvest, but there could be some first fruit on it. Jesus noticed it, he walked over to it, and then he cursed it because it wasn't bearing fruit. Of course, that, that's also a picture of Israel, but, but I think more alarming for us, I think it's a picture of the church in the West, right? We, we look like a tree in full bloom, right? From a distance, it really catches your eye. From a distance, but as we get closer and we begin to examine the tree, it has no fruit. For many of us believers, the tree looks good. The tree shows up at church. The tree is a good person. But the tree's not bearing the fruit that God made the tree to bear. And I think that's the question for each one of us. It's this, it's this tug. I, I think it's, I actually think it's the question of everyone, even believer, non-believer. I think the question that just haunts many of us is, is this it? Is this the fullness of what I've created for? Is this, am I doing, am I flowing? Have I hit the mountaintop of what I was created for? I've got good news. You're nowhere close. No, that's, I mean, and, and literally that should be good news because I'm thinking, Lord, if this is all you made me for, let's do it over, right? I mean, and it's so encouraging to know that God says, this is not what I created you for. There's so much more and I want to call you to it and I want you to be more like my son because that's part of Jesus's perfect sinless existence is he did everything perfect and he always bore fruit. I mean, that's, that's what made Jesus, Jesus. And no one after him has, has made it to that point, but that's what we're called for and that's what we have to press into and to realize that I don't want to be, I don't wanna be a tree that looks in full bloom, but that when you come and you look at me and you examine me, you go, there's actually nothing there. We don't want that. And I think there's this beautiful picture. It's one of my favorite, really, passages in all the Bible. It's Ezekiel 47. And at the end of it, in verse 12, it says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. It says the fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. That is a picture of our life, right? If, if we will be watered, 
right? Again, it's not about us. It says very clearly, it says there will be a new crop every month. Why? Because it's watered by the river flowing from the temple. And then the fruit, then there will be fruit for food and leaves for healing. That's what we're made for. We're made to be a tree that, 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 the, that the spirit of God covers us and all, we're planted in it and that we bear fruit day after day, month after month. Why? Is it for our glory? No, it's for the glory of God, but it's also to bring life and healing to everyone that we encounter. Like, isn't that a beautiful picture? It says that the leaves will bring food or life, right? And, and the leaves will bring healing. Like everywhere we go, if we think about what's our calling, what's our purpose, what should our fruit be about, and each one of us are a little bit different when, what it looks like when, when we're fully watered. Some of us are apple trees, some of us are, 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 are orange trees, some of us are fig trees, some of us, we all look a little bit different, but at the end of the day, we're all same in this. I'm designed that when you come into contact with me, when you leave, because I am watered by the living God, that you will leave with life and healing every time we touch. That's what we're called, that's what we're made to be. And you look at it and go, man, we're so destructive and we're so violent and we're so religious and we're so self-righteous and we're so easily offended. We're so, you know, always complaining. And at the end of the day, it's like, it's just this beautiful picture, Brian. If you will just be still and stop worrying about you and your part and just let me water you, you will be significant every moment of your life, which is all we're longing for. I just don't want to live a life that's wasted. I want to live a life that brings healing and brings life to everyone I touch. And that's what we're all longing for. And so that's the picture. And so we begin to look at it. And so how do we live that out? How do we get to that place? Well, I love in John 14, uh, Jesus talking to the disciples at the last, at the last supper. And, and he's saying this interesting thing. He's saying, guys, I'm leaving and don't be sad. Right, we love to sing songs like if Jesus was to just walk in the room. It's a beautiful picture and it's a beautiful thought, but it's actually not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I have something better. Like the thing that's better is I'm about to finish this work. Like, we're going to eat this meal. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to crucify. I'm going to die. I mean, we're just, we're not far. I mean, we're 50 days away from something better. And here's the better. I'm going to leave, and, and it's going to be this transfer. I'm, I'm going to reconcile you back to the Father, but I'm going to release the Spirit. And, and the Spirit Again, what is the spirit? It's the riving, it's the, it's the water that flows from the temple that Ezekiel was talking about. He goes, this is better for you. He says, this is better actually for creation. This is better for the kingdom. And again, when, when you first hear it, I mean, these, these are not my words. I just want it to be clear. Jesus said, it's better that I leave. And then he goes on to say something even crazier. He says, everything that you've witnessed as you've hung out with me for the last three years, everything you've seen, right, you will do those things and even greater. Why greater? 
Holy Spirit plus Jesus is interceding at the right hand of the Father. The high priest is interceding, so we have the Spirit and the high priest saying, yes, Lord, yes. Right? As we just stay planted, yes, Lord, fruit, fruit. Let, let them bring life. Let them bring healing. And this is the thing that we're called to, and it's just this beautiful picture that Jesus is, releases on us, right? And, and so... And in John 15, he tells us a little bit more of the how. He says, I'm the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts all, every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by this message. But I, I love this thought that the Lord is saying, hey, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And so sometimes we like to make life complicated. It's not complicated. You go, Lord, who am I? You're a branch. There you have it, right? You're a branch. Why a branch? Because you're not the source of life. But the Lord says, if you will connect to me, if this will connect to me, I am the life, I will feed you, and then your whole life will do nothing but hold and bear fruit. You don't have to do anything other than stop trying to be more than a branch. I mean, think about it. We go, I wish my life could matter more. Good, care less about it. Again, that was a boomerang statement. It's coming back to me. The Lord keeps reminding me, Brian, if you would care less about what I'm doing in you and through you and just care and just stay connected to me and just care about the fruit that's going to feed and heal those around you, your life is not that complicated. Be a branch. It's this beautiful thing. And so I, I love this, and I, I think much of our prayer life is, is mistaken at this. He says, so he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit. That's a scary thought. And, and even in the last, ver, you know, the last passage where it talked about Jesus' curse, I, 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 I think God's curse was poured out on the cross. I, I think it's, it's there, it's been paid for. What does it look like? to be cursed today. I think what it looks like for to be cursed today is the Lord turns you over to yourself and just lets you drift, right? He lets you become disconnected. And so sometimes you drive to work and you go, oh, Lord's really mad at me, I got a flat tire. God's not in the flat tire business, right? He's just not. Right, you got a flat tire because you hadn't had your tires rotated <laughs> or you hadn't pulled the nail out. I mean, sometimes it's just, it's not, I mean, we're called to just stay connected. Right? And once we pull away, our curse is we live a life separated from the greatest gift that's ever been poured out, which is the spirit of the living God. You become the new temple. He rests in you. He rests on you. We get to live in constant communication. We don't have to say anything, do anything. We don't have to go anywhere without him. We have the greatest thing ever given, and we will not stay connected. And so that's what a curse looks like, is just us releasing ourselves from the, from the fruit, the, from the tree of life, from the vine. But, but, but I, I want you to get excited about something. It says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he says, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. 
How many of you got up this morning, got on your face and said, Lord, prune me? We're praying the wrong prayer. We're saying, Lord, let nothing touch me. Lord, let all life be perfect. Let me get nothing but blessing. Let me never feel your garden scissors. But here's what he says. It is a gift. It is the Lord sees you. I just want you to get this thought again. It says that, that he cuts off every branch that does not bear fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. What that says is the Lord says, I see you. Like our prayers are like, God, do you see me? He's going, oh, do I see you? I see you and I admire you and I'm running after you. And, and what, you, what feels like scissors is my hand of transformation. What feels like scissors is my loving touch and I'm making you more like my son. I'm, 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 I'm transforming you into a fruit, to a tree that bears fruit in all seasons. I'm transforming you into this thing that when people encounter you, they have life in healing because you have been pruned. So guys, we have to stop praying for the Lord to quit touching us. And we have to pray, Lord, I'm in. I've been reading a lot about the you know, churches that get persecuted. One of my favorite books, I went back and read it again, was The Heavenly Man, talking about the early movements of China. And as these guys are, are in prison and, and, and they're just being brutally beaten and tortured, there's not one time, not one time that I see them to pray for mercy. What they continue to pray for is, Lord, let this win souls. I mean, it's the most challenging thing over and over, right? Even the church isn't praying for a release. They're praying for more of God's spirit to bring more of the lost souls into the kingdom. They says, just, Lord, just feel my sacrifice and let it be, let my life bear more fruit. It's the most challenging thing as I read it. And we in the West just go, Lord, why am I walking through this? We're not inviting the Lord to prune us. And so I just, you know, Lord, I just pray that for us, Lord. And even if there's fear in it, uh, Lord, we say, um, Lord, we want to bear more fruit next month than we do this month. And we want this month to be more than last month. And Lord, we say that we are your branch. And Lord, prune us and water us and love us and use us. Lord, we say you're worthy of it all. You are, Lord. You're, you're worthy of it all. And clip us and prune us. Lord, we just invite you into it. 
And again, fruit doesn't come from striving. It doesn't come from doing more good stuff. Fruit comes from resting in the Lord. Fruit comes from staying connected to the Spirit of God. Fruit comes from just pressing in to the vine. And no matter what happens, no matter what happens in our life, no matter what happens in our relationships, no matter the the pain or the sorrow, no matter we don't ever take our hand off of it, we just lean in and say, more, Lord, just more, Lord. And that's what we're called to. And so I just just love this, you know, one of probably my my life verse, the thing that I, I can't get away from, is John 10, 10, where it says that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but, but Jesus comes to bring life and bring it in abundance. What does that mean? Jesus, uh, or the Spirit, or Satan, I don't believe is coming to kill us. There's, there's a few warriors that, the, that the, the enemy would like to see die, but most of the church he loves. Most of the church is, is doing his work. Uh, and again, I, I don't mean that in any, there's, there, let that statement go where it goes, but um, Satan's not trying to kill us. What he's trying to do is get us to take our hand off God. He's trying to get us to pull back, and, 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 and if, it's, if he blesses us financially and we get distracted and, and start thinking at the world, that's fine. He doesn't care. If he gets us hooked on addicted to something, he doesn't care. I mean, he doesn't care if we're multimillionaires and world famous. He doesn't care if we live on Skid Row. As long as we're not in the sweet spot of the Spirit of God, as long as we're not in the, in the water that flows from the temple, he doesn't care because your life is insignificant. It will not bear fruit that brings life and healing. There's only way to bring it, and so that's what the enemy comes to do. He's not trying to physically kill us. But we want to live a life that we're so rooted in in God, we're so rooted in his spirit, we're so rooted in his truth, we have so denied ourselves and taken our cross every day that when our alarm goes off and we our feet hit the floor, the enemy recognizes Brian is up. It's the life we want to live, and the only way to do it is just to is just to, to just stay in the river, because where where there, where there is river, there is life and there is healing. And so I'm not going to go a bunch into Ezekiel 47. You guys know the passage, but it, but it's interesting that it talks about this river that flows, and then you know it's it's ankle deep, then it's knee deep, then it's waist deep, then it's a river that no one can cross. I'm just going to kind of, kind of pick it up there. He says, then he measured off another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was it was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. And he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? And he led me back along the riverbank where I returned. I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert and the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things everywhere the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for the waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. And so again, we have a tendency... And I can tell you, it doesn't matter if you're ankle deep or knee deep or waist deep. It just, it's different levels of depth, but there is no life until you get to a place where you no longer have control. That, that is the only place that you can stay watered, right? And I've said before, I mean, so, so why do I stay? Because if it's ankle deep, if it's knee deep, if it's waist deep, I'm still in control of my life. 
and I can get in and out anytime I please, and it's only until I get to a place that it's a river that no one can control. It's not until my feet can no longer touch that I no longer have any control over where the Spirit takes me. And the reason that our lives aren't going anywhere is we like to have our feet on the ground. Right? It's safe there. At least that's what the enemy tells us, that it's safe there. And the only safe place in the kingdom of God is in the will of God. Right? It's the only safe place. And the only place that you can find to, that you know you're in the will of God is when you hear the voice of God and you're obedient to it instantly. And so that's become, a, that's become a, a, a word that we love in the church. I hear it all the time. You know, God's calling us to instant obedience. There is no such thing, okay? If I tell one of my nine kids to go upstairs and clean their room and they do it two weeks later, do I mark it as obedient? No. I've heard someone say before, it's like I go up and I, 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 the next day and I look at my kids and I go, what's going on here? I told you to clean the room. That's a good word, Dad. So why isn't it cleaned? I've been studying it. I actually went to the original language and found what it meant to clean the room. And there's some really great depth in it. When you look at it in the Hebrew, it's a whole new meaning of clean the room. And meanwhile, as a dad, I'm just going, that's great, clean the room. There is no such thing as instant obedience. There's obedience and there's disobedience. The minute the Lord speaks, you're either obedient or disobedient. You're either the center of the, his will or you're outside his will. You're either following the son or you're following the great deceiver. You're either being watered by the spirit of God or you're on the side of the bank that you're going dry and your fruit will stop producing. There is no other way, right? So we got to kill some of these buzzwords that we like to use in the church, obedience, Right? That's, that's the thing that the Lord looks for. He says, I, they, I, you will, I will know who loves me because they will obey me. Not only my written word, but every word I give. Instant obedience is what keeps us in this river that flows. And so you look at it and go, you know, following you know, this Ezekiel 47, we all know that I want to be in it. And here's the thing. You don't jump in the river and stay there. Have you noticed I had a guy told me I was baptized in the Spirit in 1972. And he talked about all the different things that he and his wife has experienced. And I'm like, that's great. 50 years ago. But it's interesting. In Acts 2, they were filled with the Spirit. In Acts 4, they were filled with the Spirit. In Acts 6, they were filled with the Spirit. It was a daily filling of the Spirit. It's not a one-time thing that I surrender. It's a daily surrender. It's a daily choice to jump in and stay in. And so what are some of the things that take us? Because at any moment, I can go from swimming in the river to being ankle deep. I mean, it happens like that. Like that. I mean, it's being constantly, it's where we talked about this morning. If some of you weren't here, we talked about just, just staying in constant 
communion and hearing God's voice consistently over and over and over again. Because if, if we'll stay connected and obedient, you can't not be in the river because that's exactly what, what Jesus died for you to be in it. So it's his will. He wants you there, but he gives us free will to choose. And so, so what are some of the things that have us go from being in to moving out? Well, you know, first thing, you know, we were, again, this was something that we talked about the first session, talking about 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, man, it said, be joyful. It says, always, you know, never stop praying and, and to be grateful. And as a body, the minute we as children of God start complaining, I don't care what you're complaining about. It's not of the Lord. The minute you start complaining, you've just gone from deep waters to shallow waters. You've just gone from bearing fruit to not. Like that. There is no place for complaining. I'd love to. I mean, in a moment, it feels good. Like, I got to get this off my chest. No, you don't. You don't. You need to swallow it and give thanks and be joyful. But the minute I, I start complaining and living in that, or I start living in self-pity, right? Self-pity is not of the Lord. And so anytime, what does it look like to be self-pity? We're all in different levels. But the minute I start going, why is this happening to me? This isn't fair. Everybody else is getting theirs. Blah, 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 blah. And I don't mean to say it in an insensitive way. I'm just saying that is what will take you. The minute you make your life about your and your portion and how somebody treats you and how dare they, it's going to suck you out of deep waters into shallow waters. I mean, you think about Jesus after he spent three years healing everyone, loving on everyone, speaking truth to him, just being there 24-7 nonstop. Then it came this day, he gets arrested, and they give him an opportunity. We will give you the Messiah back, or you can have Barabbas. We'll take Barabbas. Could you imagine pouring your life out for a group of people, and when it came time for them to pick... They picked Barabbas, and then he got beat. The, Bible, the word says beyond recognition. So if you ever, I've talked, you know, some believers say, I can't watch the Passion of the Christ because it's so violent. And the truth is, it's not even an accurate picture because I recognize Jesus in the Passion of the Christ, and God's word says he was beaten beyond recognition to the point where he, then he carried his cross. He had no strength left. Someone had to help him. And so if I'm Jesus and I'm walking up the hill carrying my cross, parts of my body hanging out, I would probably feel for my, sorry for myself and go, Lord, is this worth it? Is this really? I mean, I, I don't think I want to do this anymore. They have hurt my feelings. How dare they? And then Jesus gets up there. He gets nailed on the cross. And he says these most amazing words. He said, Father, forgive them. I do. I love them. And they, they treat me this way because they don't know me. And they treat me this way because they don't know you. And so anytime we have a need to feel sorry for ourselves, all we have to do is go, God, I forgive them because they don't know you. And because they don't know you, how can they love me? But the minute I attach to anything, it's a scheme of the enemy. I've pulled out of deep waters. I'm no longer, the spirit of God is no longer flowing over me out of the temple. And I no longer have fruit that will bring life and healing everywhere I go to everyone I touch. 
Again, I don't think I hardly ever speak that, that I don't say I, I believe. If someone was to say, tell, tell me like the key of the gospel, and, and there's a bunch of them, but the word I, I typically go to is forgiveness. That, that that's really what happened, that God forgave us, you know, and he died on the cross for us while we were still sinners. And it's just, it's just a core piece of being followers of Jesus. And I, I would say that this is the number one reason that we don't bear fruit, that we don't stay in deep places, is because we're easily offended and we'll hold a grudge. I see people in churches all the time that will literally stand up and go, after that person did that to me, I will never forgive them again. And then people in church go, you go, girl, I get it. No, no, it is not a choice. And so, Brian, you don't understand what someone's done to me, how bad I've been abused. And you're right, I don't understand. I don't. But Jesus does. And he says, you'll forgive. If you want to receive my forgiveness, you'll forgive. And we've come into agreement with bitterness and unforgiveness. And because of it, we look like a tree that's in full bloom. But if you get up real close to us and look at our branches... We're dead. We have no life. Because the water doesn't flow where unforgiveness lives. The water will go around that. Jesus just doesn't, he doesn't live there. And of course the final thing is we become dull when we've, we've made statements because we've fallen into sin and we've decided that we will never tell anyone ever It'll never come out because my good name can't handle it. I'll lose my job. I'll lose my marriage. I'll lose my wealth. I'll lose my neighbors. I'll lose whatever. And so it really just becomes a choice. Am I going to live in this, this statement that I've made that my life is good enough? I believe in eternal salvation because that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about living your life to the fullest that you were created for, which is the longing that we're all in, that we want to be. I mean, I long to be a person that when I sat down on an airplane seat to go home, that before I ever say a word, there's already healing in life because of my presence. And we're all made for that. Like, we're all made for that. And I know it's the deep longing of your heart but some of it starts today with laying down your offense and your complaining and your self-pity and your unforgiveness and your unconfessed sin and just going, because here's what's great. The water starts flowing instantly. It's not a slow drip. It's an overwhelming of the spirit. And I believe the further you go, the, f the more that you have to bring, the stronger the current. Ten years ago, when I had to bring my jump, God overwhelmed me in his glory and his goodness. Just overwhelmed me instantly because he's so good and he's, he's exceeded my wildest expectations. And although I'm not a tree that's bearing the fruit that I long to bear, it's a journey that the Lord continues to transform me and to stretch me and to pull me saying, Brian, stay connected to me. Stay connected to my voice. Keep yourself. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're holy. 
And so when I come to you, I'm going to come to you as clean as I can be. I'm going to come to you with no complaining, no self-pity, no unforgiveness, no unconfessed sin. I'm going to come to you as clean as I can be because you're worthy of it all. I'll just tell you, stop singing that song if you won't come in agreement with the things that God's asking you to come into. Literally, stop singing the song. It's offensive, right? And, I, and again, that sounds harsh as I hear it, but it's not meant to be. I had a, you know, in the prayer this morning, I had a, a lady come to me and she said, you know, the Lord is serious and the Lord's asking you to be serious. He's serious about this. He's serious about us coming to our gatherings and there's so much in your life that you can't control. But the things that's killing our witness are things that you do control. You control your heart of forgiveness. You control your heart of gratitude. You control your heart of joy. I was praying in the last couple of weeks for joy, and the Lord was like, why are you asking for joy? Why don't you just walk in it? It's a fruit. It's part of my spirit. I can tell you, I'm not holding it back from you. <laughs> and he's like, you want to be a good dad, Brian? Go be a good dad today. Right? You want to live in all these things? Just walk in them. Mighty warrior, get up and walk in it. There's things that we can control, and I think that's what the Lord's asking you to do. If you want to be a tree that bears fruit in all season, if you want to, if you want to just bring your life in alignment with your worthy of it all, it's very simple. Just lay down whatever you're carrying that's not of the Lord, and you will instantly, I'm talking instantly, instantly, be soaked in the river that flows out of the temple. And you will instantly, right now, start bearing fruit that brings life and brings healing. So, Lord, that is our prayer. That is just the, the deep, deep cry of our heart, Lord. Lord, we do say that you're worthy of it all. And Lord, some of us need to come into agreement with that today. Lord, we're, this is between, Lord, guys, this is between you and the Lord. Anything that you're dealing with is between you and the Lord. No one else has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the leadership of the church. It has nothing to do with the person sitting next to you. This is between you and the Lord. And so I just ask you to just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything that keeps me from consistently being soaked by the river that runs from the temple? Is there anything that you want me to give to you this morning? Because you're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And I won't withhold anything from you. There's nothing you can ask me to do today that I won't instantly. Guys, keep in mind, it's instant obedience because that is what obedience is. Who cares about tomorrow? And who cares about yesterday? God is a God of today. He's a God of right now. He's a God of come to me now and watch what I do. Bring me your unsolvable situation and watch me solve it. Some of you need to come forward and beg the Lord to prune you. I have a neighbor that he's scared to get too close to the Lord because his life is just too good, and I understand that. 
But that's just, a, that's just a young man that doesn't understand the goodness of the Lord. The Lord wants to prune you because he wants to give you more of himself. And there is no greater gift, there is no greater thing that the Lord can give you. And so, Lord, we just respond to you however you want us to respond. But God, I just encourage you, just, uh, Mike said it earlier, you take the first step and Jesus takes the rest. He'll take all of them. Spirit, we just ask that you grip us tighter. Uh, Lord, don't let us go today. Don't let us go. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.